Well, good morning and welcome to Christ the King. Happy New Year's Eve and Happy New Year to all of you. We hope that you and your family and your friends have had a wonderful Christmas break so far. And Merry Christmas for, from all of us here at Christ the King. We're glad that you're worshiping here with us this morning. And we want to especially welcome those who are wor worshiping from out of town, friends and family who may be traveling, and those who are worshiping with us for the first time. Welcome. We're glad you're here. If we've not yet met, my name is Robbie Pruitt, and I'm one of the pastoral associates here at Christ the King. Our pastor, David Glade, is traveling, and he sends his warm welcomes and greetings to you all. And we are thankful and blessed to have Rob Kresh here, and he will be presiding over our communion service today, celebrating with us. And we're glad that you're here. Thank you so much for your service to this church and for all that you do to serve him and his kingdom. This morning, on this first day after Christmas, this first Sunday after Christmas, we're looking at the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Today's sermon title is Our God and King Who Is Among Us. Our scripture text is Galatians 3, 23 through 25, and 4, 4 through 7, and John 1, 1 through 18 that we just read. You can find sermon notes on page 11 in your leaflets and follow along there if you would like. What I want to explore with you this morning is this idea that we can take courage and comfort in our God and King who is among us. And we can live differently because Jesus Christ, our God and King, is with us and is among us. One of the most delightful things my, young, my oldest daughter, Grace, says to me, she says, Daddy, I will always be with you. I will always love you. I will always be with you. How sweet is that? This idea of withness. And uh, even this morning I heard her tell her mother, Mama, Elsa, and Anna are real. I saw them at such and such's birthday party. <laughs> this idea that God is with us, and we know this to be true, for we see him in Jesus Christ, who is with us always, now, and forever. This is the good news of the gospel of Christ. And just before Christmas break, our younger daughter Hannah was sick with the stomach flu. We felt sorry for her and stayed up with her as she struggled through the night, as one does with this kind of virus. And we sympathized with her in, our, in, in her sickness and in her weakness, and our hearts broke as we cared for her. And then, in the spirit of Christmas, our youngest daughter gave us this gift of her stomach bug. And while we were all very grateful for this gift... We were not quite in the gift, the spirit of sharing and giving ourselves, and we found ourselves home enjoying these, quote, festivities with the kids as full participants. We went from being with Hannah to being among her in her experience, gaining a whole new understanding of and appreciation of what she was going through and identifying in a whole new way with each other in our plight. Lying in bed that morning, this incident got me thinking of the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is our God and King, who is not only with us, but among us in our weaknesses. 
God understands our human condition fully, and yet for our benefit, Jesus came down and dwelt among us. He took on the full human condition, yet without sin, and lived our humanity. Jesus lived a sinless life, died a sinner's death to save us from our sin and from our sufferings. These sufferings which he too experienced on our behalf, but he did not deserve them. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity communicated Jesus' mission this way. The Son of God became man to enable men to become sons of God. Jesus Christ, our God and King who is among us, came to us in the flesh with this very mission in mind. Author and leadership expert Stephen R. Covey in his popular book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And habit two says that we are to begin with the end in mind. Jesus began his life with this end in mind. He came among us, is among us, and he came to be known and to make the Father known. To suffer with us, to die for us, and to make us his children, so that we could be children of God. That is good news this morning. This is the mission of Jesus Christ that we proclaim in the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God and one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made for us and our, for our salvation. He came down from heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit. He became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried, and on the third day he rose again in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Our God and King came to dwell among us. Our God is with us. He always was with us. He is with us now, and He will always be with us. As John 1, 10 through 13 says, He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. He came into His own, and His own people did not receive Him, but all who did receive Him who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of the blood, not of the will of the flesh, or the will of man, but of God. C.S. Lewis, from the collected letters of C.S. Lewis, said the following about the incarnation. God could have, had He pleased, have been incarnate in a man of iron nerves, a stoic sort, who let no sigh escape him. Of his great humility, he chose to be incarnate in a man of delicate sensibilities, who wept at the grave of Lazarus, who sweated blood in Gethsemane. Otherwise, we should have missed this great lesson. That that it is by his will alone that man is good or bad, and that Feelings are not in themselves of any importance. We should also have missed the all-important help of knowing that He has faced all of our weakest moments that we face. He has shared not only the strength of our nature, but all of our weaknesses, except for, of course, 
sin. If he had been incarnate in a man of immense natural courage, that would have been for many of us almost the same as he not being incarnate at all. Jesus dwelt among us and is with us, as the disciple John said, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Can you identify with the incarnation of Jesus Christ this morning? Recognizing that God is indeed among you? When was the first time that you encountered Jesus? In whom did you first see Jesus? In other words, who first embodied Christ to you? For me, I first encountered Jesus in my grandfather. My grandfather is a Baptist minister and a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ for over 65 years. We just visited them. They're still alive, 95 and, and still going, my grandparents. I grew up attending his church. However, I did not know what he was preaching until after I had received Christ and got, got into high school. And it wasn't his preaching that led me to Jesus. My grandfather showed me who Jesus is through his life and through his character. I saw Jesus in my grandfather long before I understood the words of, of his sermons and the things that he was saying. My grandfather embodied Jesus to me. And what about us? How does beholding Jesus, seeing God, our God and King who is among us, enable us to embody Jesus to others? And how does this enable us to reflect Jesus and his grace and truth to those who we encounter? One evening a few months ago, I was biking the four-mile run trail from D.C., and I encountered a gentleman who appeared to be stripping a bike in the shadows of the trail. Or he could have been repairing his bike. So uh, we'll call his name Zeke, because when I asked him what his name was, he said it was Zeke. So I, I stopped by and I asked Zeke if he needed any tools to help him out with his situation. I said, Zeke, do you need any tools? And he said, no, no, I got everything I need. And I said, well, can I pray with you? And the weirdest thing happened. This guy in combat boots, military fatigues, tattoos, a little sketchy, he, he dropped to his knees in front of me. And he said, yes, yes, pray for me. I've been talking trash. And that wasn't the word he used. I've been talking a lot of trash. And I want you to pray for me because I've been slanderous. So I prayed over Zeke. I blessed him. And then he said he could use some AAA batteries. So I gave him some AAA batteries. And I don't know... Um, what that encounter entailed for Zeke, but I hope and pray that Zeke met Jesus that night on the trail. Another time we were having youth group at the beginning of this year and the pizza man came to drop off some Papa John's and as a youth minister you get very familiar with Papa John's and their pizza delivery guys. This particular gentleman I had not met before but he had told me that he had a test coming up. He was trying to join the Alexandria Police Department. 
And I asked him if we could pray for him before he left. And of course, I tipped him very largely. Thank you for your tithes. Um, <laughs> and we, um, we chatted and we prayed together and he left. I, I think I gave him a card, which has our service times on them. Never heard from him. Two months passed. I got a random text. It's the Papa John's man saying he has another test and would I pray for him? Of course, I said, praying for him through the text message. See, we live in a world that is hardened and darkened by sin. He was in the world, John 1, 10 through 11 says, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came into his own and his own people did not receive him. See, some people are not ready to receive him. Yet some people are. At some point in our lives, many of us were in this crowd of those who did not know Jesus and of those who did not receive him. Some of us can identify right now with not knowing Jesus and not receiving him. At this very moment in our lives, this describes us, and that's okay. Maybe you're still looking into Christianity. God is waiting for you. He is revealing in His Son Jesus, in the incarnation, that He is indeed among you and with you. And He will never leave you. He will love you forever, as Grace said. And He will never leave you. So how are we being called to respond to our God and King who is among us? Do we need to come to know Him? Do we need to receive Him? Do we need His light to shine in the darkest places of our lives? And for those of us who do follow Jesus, how can we make our God and King who is among us visible and known to a world who does not know Him? How should the incarnation of Jesus Christ change us change how we live, and change how we are to live among our own neighbors. As most of you know, many of you were there, and I'm grateful that I was just ordained less than two weeks ago. This is my first experience in a service other than the ordination in this, and I almost did trip right over here earlier. This is my first time um, donning this collar in public over the last two weeks. I've only worn it three or four times. I've become more aware and sensitive to the reality that I am bearing Jesus Christ to the world, for better or for worse, in that sometimes I get it right and sometimes I do not, and that sometimes I represent Jesus well and sometimes I do not, and sometimes the way I represent Jesus Christ is well received by others and sometimes it is not. Right after the ordination service a few weeks ago, we were cleaning up after the reception. Everyone had left, and my wife and I had a lot of extra food that we were trying to find a place to put it, and we went to the theater across the street, and I walked into a fully attended uh, theater rehearsal going on across the street, and I just walked in like I normally would. Hey, guys! And everyone turned and looked at me and stared blankly, and they got quiet. And it got weird and strange and awkward really fast. And I'm not used to having that effect on people. 
Um, I usually don't have this kind of reaction when I walk into a room. And then I remembered that I had this collar on and that I was dressed in all black. And it was the first time after leaving my ordination that I had this experience, that this changes people's perception. My wife and I then invited everyone in the room to the kitchen for an after party, and we feasted on leftovers, and we got to know one another. And it was a wonderful celebration, a celebration that I hope made Jesus look good. To this initial, initially skeptical crowd, you see, I do not know what these folks thought that I was interrupting them for, but I hope that this feast was as nourishing to them as it was to me as we made these new friends. I hope that Jesus was embodied to them as he was to me as these wonderful people helped me continue the celebration. It makes me think of how Eugene Peterson puts John 1.14 in the message translation. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes. The one-of-a-kind glory like the Father, like the Son, generous from the inside out, true from start to finish. Our presence as Christians, as little Christ, should mean that Jesus is present in our households, with our families, and in our neighborhoods. And in our workplaces, wherever we go, Jesus is with us and should be reflected in us and through us. It's like the story of the young boy who lost his bike chain while pedaling by an old church one afternoon. When he saw the priest in his clothing and in his clergy outfit, he exclaimed, Hey, mister, do you think you can pause your preaching long enough to get your hands dirty and to give me a hand with fixing my chain? Our world is looking to us as followers of Jesus, wondering if we can pause our busy lives, our religious devotion to lend a helping hand, to show how Jesus might get his hands dirty for their sake. So how should Jesus our God and King who is among us. Change how we are to live among other people. Will others see Jesus in our neighborhoods because we are there? Will they experience the truth and the graciousness and the generosity of our Lord Jesus Christ? The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, according to John 1, 16-18, is that from His fullness we have received grace upon grace. The law was given through Moses, and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side and Jesus has made him known to us. And because Jesus has made God known to us, we can make Jesus known to others. The incarnation is good news for us. And we should also embody this good news to others. This good news revealed to us and reflected in us and through us, should cause Jesus to move into our neighborhoods. See, it is my hope and my blessing for you. May we fully experience our God and King who is among us. May we experience His grace upon grace. 
May we embody Jesus to our family and our friends and to our neighbors and to our neighborhood. May our God and King who is among us be made known in our lives and in the lives of others through what we say and what we do. Because, brothers and sisters, we were once all far off from God, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those of us who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters of God. And because we are sons and daughters, God has sent His Spirit into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So we are no longer slaves, but we are sons and daughters. And if we are sons and daughters, then we are heirs through God. So then let us be heirs of God and let us incarnate God to others. Let us embody Jesus to this dark world, which so desperately needs Him and His light. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord God, because you gave Jesus Christ, your only Son, to be born for us, who by the mighty power of the Holy Spirit was made perfect man of the flesh of the Virgin Mary, his mother, so that we might be delivered from the bondage of sin and receive power to become your children. We praise you, Lord. Almighty God, you have poured upon us this new light of your incarnate word. Grant that this light enkindled in our hearts may shine forth in our lives through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen.